Oli oli and welcome to Building Blocks and Puzzle Pieces. This is a Rain or Shine podcast and I am your host, Ellen Miranda. I'm so excited to welcome you here under our umbrella and to dive into how to build your own accommodations, the building blocks you need to get there, and the puzzle pieces that you might need to solve along the way. I am here with Emily Griswold, Leftist Center, and I am so excited for y'all to hear what we have to share today. So, Emily, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do? By saying that I am a self-proclaimed and very proud weirdo, it's my favorite title that I begin with. I am a fur mom to so many great cats and a dog, and I have an extra one today. I have an extra dog today in my house. We are always accepting extra fur children. I'm a partner, I'm a friend, and I'm a really sensitive human. And I like to start by saying that rather than like the things that I do for labor, because sometimes I know for me that I was raised in a society where, yeah, you always start with like my achievements are. (laughs) So I started saying that because I, as much as I love the work that I do, and you're going to hear me jabber for a long time about the work that I do. I'm also a whole human and I have, I do the dishes, (laughs) which I don't hate. So that's cool. But court, yeah, I know, right? It's just a hot (laughs) tip. An accomplishment right there. Like already you're higher in my esteem. So, (laughs) and I also don't hate laundry. I know it's weird. It's, I know, I know. I'm, it's soothing to me. Okay, we'll get there anyway. So then what do I, who am I, what do I do? So I was a teacher for a really long time, mostly special education in the District of Columbia Public Schools, which is Washington, DC. And in the United States Capitol, it's a very interesting place. And after many years in the classroom, I decided to leave in 2019 and start my own thing. Originally, my first business was called 1111 Wellness, and that was specifically directed at taking care of school staff, mostly because I felt like, I mean, public education is failing everyone, but I felt like the first step I could try to help was my fellow colleagues who were burning out and quitting and yelling at kids, even though they didn't want to. And then I loved that, and I love that work still, but I really miss working directly with with children and young people. So um, I've always had some kind of student on the side of some sort. And officially over the summer, I launched my business left of center, which is aimed at coaching neurodivergent teens in the areas of success and competence. And yeah, I get to hang out with little versions of me, which makes me really happy. And we get to do cool projects and I get to show, get to show them all the evidence of how great they are and teach them how to love laundry. <laughs> Just like me. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I'm on a mission to make laundry fans a laundry cool again, I guess. Maybe that's my maybe that should be my tagline. <laughs> <laughs> I mean there's like immediately some resistance that comes up to that for me, but like that probably just means that I also need the work that you were doing. So <laughs> Good job. Well, great. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. No, I love that comment, though, about, like, getting to work with, like, little versions of yourself, right? And I think a lot of people listening can relate to that as well, because I think for a lot of entrepreneurs and people who end up starting businesses, right, you 
tend to choose things that you love because it's something that was a hard one lesson for you, right? I know a lot of the systems work that I do is something that I absolutely could have used, especially because so much of it is based around accommodations and advocating for myself and learning those lessons early on would have made such a huge difference. I love to hear that you are supporting people in that. So what are some of the biggest building blocks that you help your clients, these teens, put into place so that they can advocate for their own accommodations? So I have like kind of a three-pronged approach. And I, whenever I describe this to people, I love to speak like first to my visual folks because I love to paint pictures with the words that I say. So picture me this. If you're driving, don't close your eyes. But if you are in a place where you can, think of like an intertwining circle. And in the middle, I want you to picture the word freedom because that's where we're trying to get to. And then on the outside of that circle, and they all kind of interconnect and they blend, the colors blend together because you can't have one without the other. There are emotional and social skills, executive functioning skills, and mentor support. And the reason why I pick those three things is because first, research says that if you have one supportive adult relationship in your life, that you are like, I mean, this is not the real number, but I like to say 1700 times more likely to to do the thing that you want to do, but also to be successful in our culture, which can sometimes be deemed being able to be financially independent, live in a place that feels supportive for you, work at a job that fills you up, which is something I want for all of my neurodivergent kiddos. The second, the social and emotional skills, you know, part of... Uh, neurodivergence is navigating the way your brain works. And one thing I've noticed is that I'm so grateful this generation is way more fluid of their acceptance of their neurodivergence. Like it's a conversation. I mean, I'm, that word was like, what are you talking about when I was younger? But now it's, it, that's common. Everybody knows the word neurodivergent. A lot of people don't know really what it means, but that's okay. We'll get there later. But I think the part we're missing is that it's one thing to claim that, but it's a different thing to understand what it means and how it impacts motivation and energy and mood and, you know, whatever. There's so many things it impacts. And so having that piece to help, you know, folks understand, like, this is why you feel so exhausted when you leave school and you have to take a two and a half hour nap. This is why, you know, the you switch tabs on your computer like a, a rabid bunny when you're trying to get your homework done. And then the the last part of this is the executive functioning piece, right? So that word is thrown around a ton. And I think I'm very careful about how I use it because I think it can be definitely a tool for like socializing people into a box. And I use it. The reason why I keep the word freedom in the middle of that circle is because executive function can be a tool to get more free. It doesn't have to be a tool of like, you know, plan your calendar down to the 30 second mark or, you know, have like 75 container store organization bins for your kitchen. Like executive functioning can be a tool to, you know, work toward a goal that you've always wanted to accomplish. It can be the thing that helps you, you know, start your makeup line or raise money for squirrels, which I have done. (laughs) 
we'll talk about that in a minute. But those are really those are the building blocks. Like those three pieces are what build my ultimate goal, which is freedom. Because I think, not I think, I believe that we live in a society and a culture that is determined to keep certain people small and in a box and certainly not free. And so my job is to facilitate freedom. And that's how I do it. I love that. I really just need to know the story about the squirrels, though. (laughs) People are like, wait, what? So, yeah, here's the story. And for those of you listening, like, I hope that this releases something in your inner child that you may not have gotten a chance to explore. Because it's certainly, and that's, like you mentioned at the beginning, so much of this is like a reclamation for me. And and I, I... it's that's my favorite part of the work is like is I embrace even more weirdness every session that I do with a teenager. So I have one particular student that I've been working with now for over a year. And this student is on the autism spectrum and has been formally diagnosed. But just as a mention, I work both with formal and folks who self-diagnose because all of those things matter and are relevant. And this friend has always just had a real affinity for squirrels. Like he just, which I think is beautiful because in, if you're listening from the U.S., like to us, they're kind of like rodent-y. <laughs> they're not very accepted as like a cute part of our culture. And they are they're very adorable, but he's really latched on to their importance in our ecosystem. And he just notices them, which I think is wonderful. And so he, the reason that his parents decided to start working with me is he was really struggling in school socially. He was having a hard time, you know, navigating and managing most interactions and situations. There were, a, there were some like maturity pieces too, where, where he was, you know, still interested in things that were quote unquote, not of his age level. And so kids were having a hard time relating to him. And then some of the typical things like his backpack was a mess and like, he, you know, it's like not brushing his teeth or whatever. Right. So like the typical things that I'm used to working with. So we started working together and the, my philosophy with young people and with adults really is I call put it putting black beans and brownies. So I don't know if you've ever like seen this like ridiculous, like quote unquote mom hack where they like, yes. And then I put black beans and my kids now love vegetables. That's what I do with kids. So I find out what they really love and what they're very passionate about. And we work that into the skills that they need to be building. So he was all into squirrels and I was like, we're going in on squirrels. And so we came up with like, how, you know, how do we raise awareness so more people care about them? How do we support injured squirrels? And we actually found a rescue organization who specifically like brings squirrels back to health, like baby squirrels and adult squirrels. And it was great. And I was like, thank God this exists. And so the plan was he was like, I want to raise money for them so that they can keep doing their work. And I want to, you know, raise awareness for them so that more people know what they do and so on and so forth. So then we took a second thing he loves, which is chocolate ice cream, because who doesn't? And we decided to come up with an ice cream stand. So we built a business model. We came up with a, a logo. He designed the menu. He learned how to make ice cream from scratch. And we we had an ice cream stand over the summertime 
and yeah, this is for the squirrels. Wild, <laughs> wild like project idea. But while we're doing this, I'm teaching him how to have a direct conversation one-on-one -on -one with a customer, right? So we're practicing, okay, this person's going to come up. What are you going to say? How are you going to greet them? Right. We're talking about how to navigate a grocery store. So he went shopping for the first time. This is the second year we've done it. So this year he had to do chores in order to raise money to be able to go get the materials. So like staying consistent with, you know, taking care of a space and feeling proud of, you know, whatever. So it was that was such, I love telling that story because that's exactly the work that I do is that we take what you're already good at. We show you how good you are at it. And then we give you the chance to put it on a stage because you deserve to be free in front of other people. And the cool part is, is that now he has so much evidence of like, I am capable of interacting one-on-one -on -one with people. I can talk about the things that I enjoy on a like a, in an age appropriate conversation, right? I can share about something I'm passionate and a project that I worked on. And now this kid, I randomly get a text the other day that he's on the news at school. Just like, and I go to his next session. I was like, were you going to tell me? He's like, yeah, I was fine. <laughs> but that's a direct response to Oh, of course I can be on the news. I, I ran an ice cream stand. This is like, this is cake. And I'm like, as I'm like sobbing, like, oh my God, I'm so proud of you. And he's like, leave me alone. So that's the squirrel story. And the squirrel and the, the, the Wildlife Foundation was so fantastic. We ended up Zooming with them and they showed us like they were feeding a baby squirrel. And it was, yeah, it was adorable. So now oh I do. Oh my God. <laughs> That is so incredible. I love to like, I, I love your entire approach. First of all, I love that we like have very similar approaches. Like it's always really fun to me to see when other people also focus first on what you're doing well and the things that you're passionate about, because I think that's something that is just not often taught, especially to neurodivergent people, right? This world is so focused on negativity and like humans in general have a negativity bias and so it like it makes sense right <laughs> but these are not like the systems that I think are built with our well-being in mind so A love that B I also love to this idea that like there's always going to be somebody else out there who cares about the things that you care about oh yeah. like you know it's so funny because my my grandma has like a huge garden and she has like bird feeders everywhere and she loves them and so like squirrels are her like arch nemesis. Oh. <laughs> so like I definitely grew up with like that conditioning, right? But then we moved to Arizona where like there are no squirrels. Right. And so I go to camp in the summer and there are squirrels in the pine trees and I'm like, "Oh my god, they're so cool." I missed you so much. <laughs> So my student would be so proud of you and your growth. He really would. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you know, like I I just love the idea that like when you have like the language to be able to talk about the things that you care about, there are always going to be people out there. Like you're never alone in the things that you care about. I just 
I love that so much. <laughs> so my next question for you is maybe a little bit of a hot topic here, but I'm, I'm curious to know, like, as you've been building this business and like, as you've been moving into this sort of like new pathway, right. Working with different clients, what building blocks have you put in place to support yourself as a care worker? Thank you. It's so <laughs> funny because I was at a school yesterday and this is like burnout time. So for folks listening, we're like right around holiday quote unquote season, which of course our country is like so much joy and 90% of the population is like so much pain and grief and loss. And of course, none of us recognize that. And also they're in public schools. So like that's a dumpster fire within itself. And I was just walking around having conversations with people who are just totally burnt out. And somebody said to me, they're like, oh my gosh, like we're all just like dumping on you. Like, what do you do for yourself? That's <laughs> like, great question. <laughs> so therapy is step one, like non-negotiable and a fantastic therapist. Like I can't, I literally cannot say enough good things about my therapist. <laughs> and I'm so grateful because we also live in a time where like access to quality therapy is like literally finding a needle in a haystack. So I'm, oh my gosh, I, I like praise my therapist after every session. <laughs> and he's like, it's just my job. Like, and I'm like, I don't care. You need to know how much. So that's a first place. Second, building blocks of care of my animals. That's why I talk about them. Like, I'm, I don't know what I would do. With, I, I don't, I don't know how people live without alive things in their home, but I certainly can't do it. It's just like such a source of joy and, and the unconditional love. Like there's nothing you could do to make them not love you. Well, I'm sure there are some things, but in this house, they are spoiled. So they're just fine with their life outside time, especially with my partner. Like I, I try to as often as possible be outside with the dog at least once a day. We live really close to a really big park in the city and she's a hound dog. So she could just sniff for the rest of her life and be totally cool. And it's actually good because she goes slow and that helps me slow down. She's a sniffer of all things. And, you know, of course, there are times where I'm like trying to get my heart rate up. And my dog is like, mm, sorry, <laughs> we have there's pee all over here. I have to sniff. So you're going to have to wait. <laughs> um, and then the other thing for me, and this is why I think I work so well with teenagers, because I'm a work in progress. Like I don't have and I tell them that like I'm one step ahead of you. If that some days I'm probably a step behind you, <laughs> especially this generation who is like, so open, accepting and loving to like the pieces of their identities. I'm like, I'm behind. But I think my schedule is a huge building block for my success, right? So looking at having time carved out to do the things that I love, whether that's read or I love TV. Like I am a child that grew up in the early 2000s and TV was an important part of my being raised. <laughs> so like great TV, food, I love food so much. It's, it's amazing. It's yeah. I'm not a, what is it called? Like eat to live for that. Every meal. I'm like, how can I have the most delicious thing? <laughs> yeah. Food is a big one for me. And, and then the last and the most consistent thing I do is I have a really intense morning routine. My partner knows like, do not disturb. <laughs> 
And it is, it's really for, you know, as a person who is born with a, a, a biological tendency for anxiety and, you know, substance abuse and, and a lot of other pieces, being in tune and in touch with myself is a non-negotiable. And it used to be, and, and this is something I talk often with kids, like about whatever you do to care for yourself shouldn't be like, because you're trying to fix yourself or make yourself better, but because you want to support yourself. And that's a big journey for me is still learning that these tools that I, that I do consistently are because I love myself, not because something bad is, you know, going to have to happen that I have to be prepared for, or, you know, that I have to keep working on. Like I'm not learning, I'm not breathing because I need to be calm all the time. I'm breathing because it just feels good. (laughs) So yeah, that's, that's some of the, that's a building, that's my building blocks for care. And I try to be open to new stuff. Like I'm starting to like get back into my like tomboy phase, which it's again, we had some strange things in the nineties, but um, I was an athlete like all the time. And I let go of that identity for a long time. And so I've been playing a lot of softball and like feeling just like very that big energy of taking up space and hitting things. So I try to be open to like where a lot of inner child stuff, you know, like we got short attention spans. So I try, I try to be open to like, today I want to do this. Today I want to do this and leave space in my calendar so that those things can happen. Because obviously running a business, it's, it's a lot. And so I try to have support to be able to let that impulsive part of me kind of ride a little bit. Oh, I love that so much. <laughs> there are some really interesting points there that I love. First of all, I love that you have such a well thought out answer for this. Um, just like want to name that like I'm really proud of you because like that's incredible. <laughs> and also like I think it's really interesting to the point that like care is not coming from a place of I don't know negativity or anxiety I've been talking about this a lot recently because I've been talking with people about adaptive systems and how for me that like I guess when I talk to people about this often their first response to me saying like oh you need to have a lot of options available to you for your support because you don't really know like when life is going to start lifing and throw some (laughs) shit in your way. And so I get a lot of people who are like, Oh, like that feels like I really need to like sit here and think of everything that could ever go wrong ever. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, well, my brain doesn't need any help doing that. I don't know about yours. (laughs) So we're going to take this in a different direction. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's so accurate. That is so accurate. (laughs) So, no, I love that. I love that, like, that framing of being like, okay, you know, like, it's not that everything is terrible and so I have to like sit here and breathe because the day is going to be terrible but so focusing on like how it feels and the things that you know help you feel the way that you want to feel and also I love the point of allowing room for 
impulsivity. I feel like that is an accommodation that is one of my favorite part parts of adaptive systems. Like, I just feel like when I talk to neurotypical people, they have such a focus on like, oh, well, like, I want to do like all of the same things yep. all of the time. And I have lived like that too, right? Like I eat the same thing for breakfast every morning and I love it. Yeah. <laughs> yep. But I think this idea that like you can plan for impulsivity is something that is like not talked about really at all. <laughs> and this idea that like, you know, you can give yourself space to do these things that you want is just not talked about often in society because a lot of society is not based around what you want. Yeah. Yep. Um, but yeah, like I, I love that so much. And I love the idea that like that is supportive to you and to the care and to like you being a full person who enjoys the things that you can, you know, gets to enjoy trying new things and allowing yourself space for that. Because I feel like that's a really important accommodation. This idea that, like, I feel like very often as a child, like, I was shamed for my impulsivity. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right? Like, you're like, oh. I don't know no, anything like... about that at all. <laughs> right? Like, zero percent relate to being going to a Catholic elementary school. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, that's even worse. We can unpack those systems. That's a whole different <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah, but, like, I think, like, there's still sometimes, like, even now as an adult, like, sometimes I, like, look at the ways in which I spend and I go, oh, shit, like, there's that shame coming back because I made an impulsive purchase or, like, that tends to be the place where it shows up, like, the most often in, mm. like, a negative way, I guess, yep. for me now yep. as an adult. But it's definitely interesting to see, like, as I as I acknowledge my needs and as I do this work of like building my own accommodations and like building systems that work for me, I'm realizing that like so much of these things that I was shamed for are actually strengths when they're given the correct like space and guidelines when I'm not sitting here yeah. impulse buying like every single package of chips in the store I can give myself space to just yes. walk around and go wherever I want. 100%. You know? 100%. So, but I think it comes down to, as always, knowing knowing yourself, knowing what you yeah. need, knowing, you know, when, like, I have to have a list when I go to the grocery store if I want to achieve my goals of, like, being financially well and <laughs> confident, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. so... Yes. Well, you know what? And you're reminding me too, is that a bar, a big part of this. So my partner is autistic and has ADHD and is non-binary. So they just have, and they're a person of color. So they're just like zero norms, just like all right. And being with them, and I have to give them props for this because their, their neurodivergence and the way that they em embrace the the calamity of like existing <laughs> it 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 wears off on me in a right because you after I mean we've been together for four and a half years now right so like you're gonna you're gonna pick up on each other's phrases and and whatever but they 
they used to say to me when we first started dating, they're like, do you laugh? Like, and I'd be like, of course I laugh. And they'd be like, meh, I don't know. And it's so funny to think about because if you meet me, you know, today, there people are like, you're so joyous and, you know, so, so on and so forth. But they really taught me how to, how to have fun and relax. And I think it's because of, I was just describing this to a school leader today. I had this conversation today and she asked me the question, what do you think it is? We were talking about the like cohabitation of, of being neurodivergent and holding other marginalized identities and like why those tend to like coexist so often, right? Like being genderqueer or being, you know, I don't know, all the other mixed places that we can, we can inhabit. And I was like, because the, the way that, that I have seen it is it's like, you were built for one planet and dropped off on another. (laughs) Right. So like (laughs) you have all of these skills and strategies for this planet that you didn't end up on. And now you're here like, what the hell? There's all these social norms and like people, there's a great meme that I will send to you. That's like neurotypical people, like pretending to say something, but not actually saying it. (laughs) And so it's, it's what I love. And I think the reason why I spend so much time in relationship with neurodivergent folks is because of that. Like, is because to your point, like that strength that's been shamed for so long is actually what we should be looking for to how to guide our culture. Like the, that's, that is where, that's where freedom is. And so, you know, when I'm working with, with kids and even when I'm working with school staff who are also neurodivergent, who have, you know, are completely underdiagnosed and so on and so forth, like that's why we enter with the gift because it's like, you got to see that first. Cause then once you open that, it is Pandora's box. Let me tell you. And I'm sure you know that, right? Like once you start setting up systems of support and you start providing yourself accommodations, the shit that comes out is like, what? I can do that. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh. Yeah. So that when you were bringing that to mind, it reminded me of, yeah, my partner telling me that they don't think that I laugh. And then showing me really like by living their example of their truth because they've they've transitioned like in within our relationship they hadn't begun their transition until we were you know about halfway through our relationship and even that process and the systems associated with with right like it's it's pretty it's pretty miraculous so this i know this is not like a love podcast but (laughs) I i do i have to give them props and and it's it's part of it's part of why I spend so much time with neurodivergent people and why I feel so much, so comfortable and safe. I, yeah, because it's, it is, it's the world that I want. That's, that's the version. I want that planet. Like if we could relocate and start over. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> oh, I love that so much. And no, it is not a love podcast, but I think it's important to note too, that like, community is a big part of any support system right like and sometimes it takes a while to find that community or it takes a while to 
find people who will truly support you being in your truth and like being able to accommodate yourself. But I do believe that like it's absolutely possible and that it is really an important an important part you have to have other people to turn to for support whether that's like professionals like yourself or a therapist or just friends who like get it you know <laughs> yes um but it's well so that's what i so i, I talk i talk about that with families too right because like i don't know about you but i desperately needed somebody like me when i was younger that was well of course my parents were not like me so that was that was never gonna drive but I really needed, that's why part of my framework is mentor support. And I think sometimes people are are confused by that, right? Because like when you're seen as having like, as an expert in a field, like the word mentor feels very informal, but I put it there on purpose because it is like, I, I, I kind of want to embrace that like weird aunt that's not your aunt vibe, you know, like, <laughs> like, and, and th- like you said, that's the community we need because we need it. We need a future oriented community. Like if we, when we think, especially when we think about mental health concerns in neurodivergent youth and like specifically, you know, just pieces that feel like this will never get better. And also there's nobody like me. I mean, that having a, a, a mentor in that role is like, there's, there isn't anything better. There's no, no better intervention than that, literally. And you can look to any scientific study about it. So that's another piece of it, but we often don't develop that until adulthood. So imagine having that as, you know, again, if I had had that as a teenager, I would have been even weirder, which who knows how that would have turned out, but nonetheless. (laughs) Probably amazing though. (laughs) I could have been into squirrels long ago. Who would have thought? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, no, like, I love that. And I love, too, the idea of an intervention in a way that is not connected to, like, drugs. <laughs> um, yeah. Like, but this idea that, like, you can you can intervene with support. You can, like, intervene in someone's life with, like, lessons that they need to learn and just genuinely, like, I don't know, I, lo- I love the idea of, like, found family vibes like that very much has been very important for me like definitely throughout my youth I doubt I would be here without the people who stepped up in those roles and so it's definitely like something that is so important and that I think a lot of adults don't always so I love that I think we've talked about this a little bit but do you feel like the work that you do and working with people who are traditionally well who are who are considered untraditional right (laughs) Um, has helped you to center that ease and leisure like both in your life and in your business and why or why not (laughs) so I'm so happy this question came we could we should just ask this question over and over again so we can just keep reminding ourselves yeah I, I think one of the things I love the most about specifically working with kids on the spectrum and kids with ADHD is like the, the deep desire for enjoyment. Like it's a hardwired piece of who they are. And so much of our school system is spent trying to like hammer that out of them, right? Like fixed interests are bad or like they can't perseverate on this 
stop saying this movie quote over and over again. And I'm like, bruh, you know that you have a sweatshirt that you wear at home when you feel sad. So don't even talk to me about perseveration. <laughs> you don't, you act like you're high and mighty when we all know we have our things. Ours are just quote unquote socially acceptable because we've deemed them that way. So when it comes to like, yeah, leisure and pleasure, it's a constant. And it, and it, it, the good part about it is that when you navigate going there first, it's already integrated, right? Like rather than trying, which it feels like, again, we're doing things backwards where like we've kind of realized as a society, like, oh, maybe we should take a nap every once in a while. Or like, oh, maybe the traditional five-day work week, 17 hours a day isn't good for us, right? So we're like having the conversation, but we're doing it backwards. So we're trying to like shove it inside of something that's already bursting rather than saying like starting with pleasure, starting with desire, starting with ease and like building around that. And I think that's, that's work that neurodivergent people are, are literally hardwired for. And I wish we did a better job of, of supporting that because I think like when I look at someone like, and I always will talk about her temple Grandin, like temple Grandin is an obsession of mine. (laughs) Mostly it's the cowboy fits that she rocks on a regular basis. But when I, you know, when I look at an example of her, I see somebody who just kept going on what they fucking loved and what they were really good at. And essentially were like, I don't care. (laughs) Like, you can tell me that I'm a woman. You can tell me that I'm weird. You can tell me that, you know, I can't scream and cry. You can tell me whatever I want, but I'm about to sit in this cow shoot and I'm about to figure out how to fix this problem. And uh, like, I mean, she's like the pioneer of that. So that's like part of my freedom goal is that too. And it's hard, right? Cause like I got to pay bills and I'm under a, I live in a very expensive city. Like life is expensive. So it's, I'm not going to sit here and be like, I have it figured out. Like, no, am I crying about money all the time? Of course I am. Am I, you know, like this week was wild, like just so much happening. Like, and some, and, uh, but it's also, and something I'm learning a system that I'm learning to like inhabit for pleasure and ease is to also be okay with that. Right. That, that there, there is, that doesn't have to be another way that I am unkind to myself, that sometimes there are weeks that are busy. Sometimes your morning routine doesn't happen. (laughs) Sometimes, you know, TV is the answer and that's not a, it's not, it's not bad. It's, it's just, it is. And the nicer you are to yourself in the process, the better off you'll be. So that's kind of how I try to center those things as much as possible. But again, I'm not here sitting. I mean, I feel like my friends would be like, girl, bye. You were just freaking out like two weeks ago. Again, friends that just wholly accept you for who you are. Can't can't recommend enough. 10 out of 10. Honestly. <laughs> they get a lot of phone love- calls of me being like, why am I doing this? Can I, should I just go back to being a teacher? Cause like, and they're like, you're not gonna hate it. And I know it feels hard right now. So 
Oh, absolutely. I literally had a friend call me yesterday and they were like, I heard your voice in my head telling me to sit down and I just like need you to like externalize that for me. <laughs> so I listened to it. <laughs> I was like, good. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> absolutely. Sit the fuck down. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> Even your, your email message. Like I, I used to have something similar, but I just, the way that it's phrased so if you don't, if you have not received a message from, you will get this beautiful, first of all, it has a robot, which I love. Second of all, it's just so the way that you, you state your reasoning and you're like resourcing for email. One, I love that I already know all your, like so many of your values just by getting a response from an email. And two, like if I was going to work with you, I would already know like what I'm getting myself into. Like it's, it's just such a good, like, it's like a sales page in a email, email response in a really good way. So I'm I I want to shout you out for that system because yeah, it's just that anti urgency, and that's where that's where rest and leisure are. Yes, absolutely. Juno is my favorite team member. Like <laughs> that is the name of the robot who sends out my automated response, telling you that I don't check my email all that often. <laughs> so cute. <laughs> genuinely like it's one of my favorite things and I think like this is a value that took me a lot of time to learn because I grew up very very avoidant of both conflict and conversation <laughs> in general mm -hmm. and so it took me a really long time to get to a point where I felt comfortable communicating with people directly ahead of time and recognizing that communication is actually a kindness like not just for me but also for other people because as you said like you already know my values you already know to not expect a response immediately <laughs> and so you can set your expectations and it doesn't lead to this like miscommunication or like differing expectations because because we didn't communicate right yeah. and that's not to say that it's not still scary sometimes like saying directly what it is that I need the whole point of building these systems is that most of it is automated and I don't have to say the thing like I don't have to look at that email yeah. <laughs> every time it goes out yep that's Juno's job yep so <laughs> Sometimes, yes, sometimes systems are, sometimes support is having a block. Mm -hmm. Like sometimes your most supportive measures are the ones that are very hard. <laughs> and like, oh, absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah, it's so funny to me, like how much of my work centers around like the therapy work that I have had to do. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um. Like, I definitely, like, never went into this going, like, oh, yes, I should be a therapist. But, like, <laughs> but these lessons are so applicable to, like, everything that we do. And being able to, like, express your needs and build those accommodations, but also being able to recognize cognitive dis dis dissonance and being able to recognize, right, like, when sometimes the thoughts that I'm having don't serve me and I have to sit there and like go through a whole process before I recognize that sometimes because a lot of times these are things that are like just 
so built in like sometimes I don't even notice when I'm being mean to myself because it's just something that's like so frequent and so the more that I am able to recognize when there is that dissonance between the thoughts that I'm thinking and like the ways in which I want to treat myself the more I'm able to then acknowledge those needs and acknowledge the support that I need in order to meet those needs and so there are a lot of ways in which like we're gonna be doing therapy together (laughs) hell yes yes well and you know what it's so funny you say that because somebody same thing in the same conversation somebody asked me today like what's what why do you call yourself a coach instead of like you know what and I said I was like because it's like being a tennis coach, but for like these soft skills, like it's, it's the same thing. And honestly, I am way too sensitive and empathetic to be a therapist. Like I just, I, I can't do it. And I thought there was points in my life where I was like, maybe I'll be a school counselor. Nope. I can't, I can't take the actual story because it's just my humanity is so raw. Like I, I mean, I know that's a boundary. But what I can do is listen and give you the bumpers, you know, in the bumper lane to be like, okay, let's bounce off this. Let's bounce off that. And when you were talking, it reminded me of like, this is a vulnerable share, but I appreciate you. So here we go. Something that I struggle with in being in this space is that like, I'm not, I don't have a diagnosis of anything. I don't really find myself fitting into, I'm, I'm definitely not on the spectrum. I don't have ADHD. I am weird and sensitive, right? So there's like these, you know, these these places, of course, I'm not, I don't typically inhabit any box of neurodivergence or being neurodivergent. Sorry, at some point I'll talk about the difference between the CE and the ND or T, whatever. Spelling's not my strong suit. But one of the reasons why, because sometimes I carry guilt of like why, why am I serving in this capacity if I'm not formally diagnosed or even even self-diagnosed, right? Of course, the imposter syndrome. And the, the way that I've grappled with that is that I think part of the reason why I was put on also, I also do believe I was put on the wrong planet. I think I just came from a different one, is that like I have to be a bridge. So my job is, and I literally will see this sometimes when I do like, visioning practices or stuff like I'll see this stone bridge and I'm always like walking from one side to the other. And that's what it feels like. Like I'm, I'm walking to like the neurodivergent side and like learning and listening and gaining and, and, you know, raising money for squirrels. And then I'm like walking back over to the other side. And like, there's, that's the, that's the beauty I think of what I, what, the system that I've set up for myself that I'm still in the process of accepting and loving is like, again, how to fit outside of a norm and to be okay with, with where I am and the gift that I specifically have. Cause you know, it's hard cause you, you want to, you know, you want to connect and you want to relate. And there's a, there's a, there's a, what's the word? I can't think of the word, the disconnect, you know, when you're not like part of this community, but I, I think that's part of my own process and my own system support is like learning that the the place you inhabit is the place you inhabit. And that's your, that's your, that's your thing. (laughs) 
like owning the place you inhabit. And it's funny, right? I talk about it all friggin' day long to children, but you try to do it to yourself and you're like, but I'm the exception. <laughs> <laughs> oh, absolutely. It's so much easier to say than it is to do. Fuck. <laughs> Incredibly frustrating. Incredibly. <laughs> because like the example that it brings to mind is like, Again, I'll nerd out with the brain because, like, I haven't nerded out enough with the brain yet in this podcast. And y'all people don't know. My kids, I have kids that will count how many times I say brain during sessions because it really, I just think it's fascinating. And I think the more you learn about your brain, especially when you're neurodivergent, like, you can hack your whole life. It's amazing. But something I think about in this, like, bridge reference is that, like, we know that folks in the autism spectrum often have enlarged amygdalas, which is the fear response center. They also have enlarged other insanely creative pieces of their brain. But if that amygdala is given free reign, that can cause a lot of problems in trying to be a, a part of whatever you want to be a part of to get free, right? So the bridge experience for that is bringing some of those neurotypical strategies for under understanding and unpacking things like anxiety or unhelpful thought patterns, or like in our practice, I call it the story snake about like, it starts off as this and then it gets bigger and then it gets bigger. And then all of a sudden it's this like massive anaconda. That is not true. Like it is, it's a birthday party. You can go, I promise you. I know you've envisioned it like a rocket ship landing on the, the bowling center, but like, it's not, it's, we, no. So, I think that's where another piece of my work is like bringing our worlds together because we do have a lot to learn from each other and not because we're trying to fix one another because that's the garbage that I really can't stand, right? Is that like, we're always just, somebody's wrong and broken and like one side or the other is trying to be like, do this more, do this more. And I'm like, no, 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 let's actually stop and learn from each other so we can both feel better. That's, I think that's also some of my, my favorite work too. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely think like, when it comes to my own relationships, the people that I get along with best are the people who are willing to ask questions and try to understand, right? Like I, I don't have a lot of patience for people who are entirely unwilling to learn Yeah, because <laughs> we live in a world where like you have access to the internet. <laughs> Right. Like, I think about this all the time because I think like to the comments you've made earlier about how accepting kids are these days. You know, I think about my siblings who are all younger than me. And I think about like how for me coming to terms with like my sexual identity and things like that were just like such a difficult process for me. And, you know, my siblings now and like I talk with them and their friends and they're just like, yeah, whatever. Like, I tried it. <laughs> it's fine. And they like don't let it mean anything about them. And they're just like, they're just totally fine. And like they, they like have learned all of these things. They have access to so much information. And like, you know, there's arguments for both the good and the bad right. of that as there is for everything. But just like, I don't think that there's any excuse for not being willing to listen to someone who has a different perspective than you because you have access to so many different perspectives that you never would have had access to before. Yep. And I just think that that's really important. 
like it's one of what definitely one of my personal values right like one of the reasons why I travel so much why I like have moved out of the country why I like do all of these things is because I want to be able to have those experiences with people who are different than me I don't want to stay in the same place with the same people all of the time not that I don't love the people that I have met and been around but just that like there's so many things that I don't know about this world and I want to know them all (laughs) (laughs) yep yeah which is another brilliance of being neurodivergent is there's like a like an unwavering curiosity and justice like let me tell you sometimes I have to be like I need to check myself because you are really on the right side of history and you are nine (laughs) honestly though, like wow you know like that it's pretty amazing and and Of course, what I think about is like, how do you harness that? Because what we don't, we also don't discuss enough is how adolescence is like, which I think is what drew me to work with this population. Because a lot of my teaching experiences with younger kids, mostly just because they're so freaking cute. And I just, I really, I think children are the most adorable thing in the entire world. But the reason why I drew myself to adolescence is because like, you are defining your identity. And you are separating yourself from your caregiver or whatever circumstances you have of the people who raised you. And it really is, it's not to say that you can never go back and, and, you know, collect the pieces of yourself you left behind. Cause like I'm living proof of that. And it sounds like you are too, but it would just be so much easier to take everything with us. And that, I think that's why adolescence is such a critical age that we tend to dismiss as like, hormonal or like overly emotional or you know like their mood swings and all and we and we have so many even as a person who works with teens it's easy for me to fall into that like you know they just don't clean up their room or we have to walk both ways uphill to school or whatever you know like those like adult mannerisms are but I think that's something really that we have to remember as a society is that like how we are treating and what we are shaping for adolescents is, is the defining factor of the next generation. And when we look at, you know, the laws that are being passed and the hate that is being directed at children being their expression of themselves, I just, I don't think the folks that are doing this realize like what the impact of that is. And they will highly regret it. I can tell you that much because when, and I say when on purpose, because those are the kids that I want to be working with when they get older, they will come for you (laughs) and they will remember what has been done. And they are smarter and more innovative and more creative and more like justice seeking. And I love this generation for that. I, I hate what's being done to them. But you cannot attempt to stifle something this revolutionary. And like when you talk about your younger siblings, like I, re- I do feel like this generation, the the generation of youth that's coming up now is like they're they're revolutionary. And oh, absolutely, they don't accept no. <laughs> like I have cousins who are like on their what's it called like student council or one of them so you know they're like in a position of leadership at their school right and they're like fucking 
organizing walkouts when anti-trans bills are being proposed in the state that they live in. And, you know, they're like organizing baby showers and they're like doing all of this shit. And like, I'm just, I'm so, so proud of them. I had no idea what was going on in the world when I was a teenager. (laughs) Like, (laughs) and to be fair to myself, right? There were like external circumstances. I was just trying to survive. Yes. Right. But like, yep. Feel you. (laughs) Feel you. Yes. (laughs) But it's also like, you know, they're, they're definitely in some of the same boat. You know what I mean? Like, look at the world that we live in. and Like, (laughs) and they're still out here taking action and they're still out here, you know, doing these things and like learning about things and speaking out and it's just it's so incredible for me to see it's absolutely like very inspiring because you know I think about it you know like you said like you got to check yourself right if I don't like sit here and do this scary thing my 15 year old cousin is gonna judge me (laughs) literally and they will they will literally be like "Um, I'm sorry did you post about and you're like damn okay sure I'm about to I guess like because if you don't that and I'm like all right all right I get it I get it thank you I will take care of it but I think that's like so important when you're which is why doing like healing work and look at looking and looking backwards is like so important for ourselves personally and like I think that's a huge part it sounds like when you're talking about like that your systems work is somewhat therapy work because it is like, we got, we got to look back at some of this stuff and be like, what did I leave behind? And like, what, what do I need to leave behind? Like, cause there are some things that I'm like, I'm, I used to have two popped collars with the dark underneath and the light on top. I would love to leave that behind. There's unfortunately photo evidence, but I would still like to put it in the past. But like, I don't want to leave behind the fact that I was like involved in, I was a band geek and I played volleyball and I loved US history and studying World War II. And like, I was a multifaceted kid. I was never the best at any of those things. And I used to be mean to myself for that. But now when I look back, I'm like, that's so fucking cool. You had all this stuff that you were into, you know? So uh, that's another piece that I hope that, that folks will be willing to explore too is like their own versions of their inner teenager and the teenagers that are standing right next to them. Like, what could I learn from my own and what could I learn from, from this person? Cause if you want hope, look that direction. Oh, absolutely. I love that so much. And, and I think too, I talk often about the importance of review when it comes to systems, because you can't, you can't know what to change if you don't know what's happened. (laughs) So yeah, like I think of, I can't think of his name. I will, I will drop it in the notes somewhere when I find it, but he's a very like famous author. And there's a quote where he talks about, he was doing some project over the summer and somebody asked him, oh, what is it that you like to do? And he like listed a whole bunch of different things. And they were like, oh, that's really cool. And he's like, oh, no, no, like, I'm not good at any of them. And uh, the person that he was talking to was like, no, but like, you don't have to be good at all of these things, right? Like, what matters is that you are 
learning and that you have the opportunity to like have all of these different experiences I think is what the actual like quote was saying was talking about how life is really fucking short and to have experiences is really like what we are here for and so if you deny yourself the opportunity for that because you're trying to only be good at things it's such a waste (laughs) And to to speak to your point about like accommodations, right? Like I think of accommodations and creating systems of support as a way to be able to do that. Like, cause I think, you know, we talk about this often that like our usual inner teenagers are very like anti like constriction, anti schedule, anti, you know, like structure. And one of the things that, I think can change that mindset around, you know, learning your own accommodations and setting up systems of support is that like, they actually allow you, they free you up to be able to do the stuff that you, you can't, you wouldn't have had access to. Right. So like, you know, to the part about the fear response and like the amygdala, like if your amygdala is in a place where it feels at least somewhat safe and supported, then your creativity turns on, then your problem solving skills turn on, then your, you know, risk taking factor is right. Versus when we're living in like unstructured chaos. And this is where I bring my neurotypical side to neurodivergent folks is like, I know that it feels like trying to implement something like this is me actively trying to like, I don't even know. I can't even think of a good enough analogy for how upset people get when I, especially teenagers, but when I tell them and when I show them and they get evidence, right, of, oh, this is actually expansion. Like this this accommodation provides me with X, Y, and Z. That is like, I mean, there's, there's no better reasoning for it. Like, that's why we do it. Oh. Yes, absolutely. And I I love the point too. Like, I mean, I, I'm sure, you know, we all have in our teenagers as well. But I talk about this often with people literally like just this Wednesday in Systems Recess. I had like a whole realization for myself that like it feels like so much work to set up a system because I don't think people – take into account how many decisions you have to make ahead of time in order to set up a system. And that's a lot of work, like, especially for a neurodivergent person where like you have executing functioning, like disabilities and making a decision in general is just like not always your strongest suit yes, right? yes. to like be asked to sit there and do nothing but make decisions feels like the worst thing in the entire world and <laughs> when I have that set up when I take the time to do that right when when we give ourselves access to those accommodations and to that suddenly everything else that I'm doing becomes so much easier <laughs> Whoa, like, yes I have to like, I have to sit there and I have to remind myself of that every single time I go to build a system. And it's why we have systems recess every week, because I have to constantly come back to this process because it's not easy for me. And 
I think there's a lot of people who can relate that, you know, the process of like sitting down and reviewing my own actions, even when I'm trying to do it in a self-compassionate way, doesn't always feel good. (laughs) So, no. Like I have to have, I have to have a community around me. I have to have like this built-in schedule and this built-in support for these things. And like, I have to recognize and like continue to remind myself that coming back to these things is the most important work that I can be doing because it then gives me access to all of these other things that I want to do. All of the things that I'm passionate about passionate about and the things that I want to do become easier when I support myself and I think you used a phrase earlier like you have to like hack your brain yes right you've got to like trick yourself into doing these things and I actually like just read a study the other day where a doctor used that exact language and I was like oh my god yes (laughs) I feel so seen right now (laughs) (laughs) because absolutely like that's how it feels most of the time I have to like trick myself into doing the things that are good for me yes yes (laughs) oh my gosh well and I like you know once a teacher always a teacher so I feel like I have to like I have to give a strategy while we're on this because I I wouldn't be able to so every week I I have a newsletter where I put out teenage brain hacks in under five minutes. So there are these short videos where, because parents and caregivers or neurodivergent teenagers have no time. None of us have time, but like it was, there was a group of people that had the least amount of time. It would probably be those people. And so essentially what I tried to do was take, you know, skills and strategies that are quick, easy, and manageable and give them the space to listen in whatever capacity they can and to try something out. And so I always end the newsletter, that five minute with a what. So like, here's what to do. So can I give you a what as you're describing this? Absolutely. So what it made me think of, right, is many of my students think that there are certain things that are pointless, right? So like, especially on the spectrum, it's like, I will never use this. I am not doing it. Thank you and goodbye. So I always have to come up with like the reason and so on and so forth. But one of my favorite brain hacks is called bridging. Have you heard of this before? It sounds familiar, but please explain. I said bridging and I was like, oh yeah, and I talked about being a bridge. Look how it comes full circle. So bridging is the idea of going from a highly preferred task to a non-preferred task over multiple steps. So, you know, for instance, like a go-to is video games, right? So if you have a kid that's like very into video games, it's going to be really hard to be like, okay, and now do your homework, which feels like so many of us as adults where, especially as entrepreneurs, where we're like, you know, I am creating a course around like multi-hyphenate passion seekers. Like our brain is like, yay. And like, then we look and we literally do not have a clean dish like to eat off of. And we're like, well, paper towels it is. (laughs) So like, how do you go from that to that, which is also necessary and like, you know, going to help you have a positive, happy, productive life. So bridging is the idea that you kind of like slowly back yourself into the uh, the non-preferred task by getting to less and less. So rather than, you know, go straight from a video game to a homework assignment, we do something like in my coaching practice where I would say, hey, like 
if, if I come in and they're on video games, which is like a setup for a disaster, I'll say something to the impact of, hey, I found this really cool game on my phone. In five minutes, can we play it together? Sure. It's still a preferred task because it's something digital. We're going to do it together. So I have a little bit more like leeway. There's like a little bit more space between you and the task. And, you know, it's it's somewhat like novel. Like it's not necessarily something you've done before. It's like, you know, a little bit has a little bit of spice to it. So that's the first bridge. So the five minutes up, we do this little game. Then I say, hey, in five minutes, we're going to try this piece of whatever we're social skill we're working, social story we're working on. How's that sound? Okay, we're going to work on the so in five minutes, we're going to work on the social story for 15. And then we're going to come back to this. And essentially what it is, is like you're using those bridges to hack your brain to start because eventually what will start happening is that it's just like any, you know, path you walk consistently, your brain will get used to and trust that you're going to come back to the thing you really love. Right? It's not about getting rid of the video game. It's about learning how to come off, do things, come back on, you know, like the, the, it's a system, it's a support. So bridging is like, I, I love that. And so maybe for your, your folks that are more uh, inclined to say no and get overwhelmed by building a system, sometimes we can bridge into it so that it doesn't feel so yucky. And that eventually our brain recognizes that, oh yeah, this is just part of something we do. We go from non-preferred to like, okay, to I really don't like it back to, it's a little bit good to, oh my God, yay, dopamine, like my favorite thing in the world. And your brain will start to trust you, which is what we really want ultimately is to know, like, I got your back. You know, I'm here with you. I know what you like to do. I'm not going to deny that of you for the rest of your life. So yeah, bridging would be my what for everyone. I love that. And it's so funny that you say that because I literally like just this morning made like a whole TikTok about this. (laughs) I realized, so I've been using like the Vive Calls app to like make calls to my representatives, asking them to call for a ceasefire, right? And I've been trying to do it every day, but I haven't been like very consistent for the past few weeks, like about when I do it. Mm -hmm. And this week I've tried really hard to do it before I get out of bed. And I was talking about the idea that like, there's like a productivity theory called swallow the frog, right? Where you like wake up and you like just do the absolute hardest, worst thing on your to-do list first. And then you get it out of the way. And I've always hated this theory because it is the worst. Yeah. (laughs) Like this idea that like, I should immediately go into something that I hate just feels so wrong to me. And also like, isn't good for my brain. Like literally I have to do the dopamine first and then I can do the hard thing. And this is something that like I've learned about myself, but I was laughing at myself because I realized that like, because I hate phone calls so much (laughs) that like, it's not the first thing that I do, right? I wake up and I like read my comics and I play like the games that have like daily challenges or whatever. And then I do the phone calls and then I get up. Yeah. But because I hate phone calls so much, it like brings my anxiety up to a point yes. where like, I was like, I literally feel like I've had a cup of coffee already. Like I am ready to take on the day. <laughs> and like, I know that a, this probably means that coffee isn't very good for me either. Yeah, amen, right? <laughs> right? Like 
<laughs> like I recognize that like these are things that are like not necessarily the best way to get my body like moving and yeah. like doing things. But I also know that it works. Yep. <laughs> and so I was like, you know, like I can see where the point of like doing the hard and scary thing could absolutely like encourage you to do the rest of the things. Yeah. So maybe I can, there is some credence to this idea, although I will not no. be only swallowing frog. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I love that. Like, I love that idea of coming back to things because I think to your point that like you get to a point where your brain can trust you to come back to the thing I think that's like one of the biggest things that I struggle with transitions are really difficult for me because I hyper focus on things yeah (laughs) and so like I do have like tricks and I try to like you know maintain some form of a schedule because it is helpful for me in like getting through those transitions and things. But I really like that idea of like trusting yourself to come back to the thing that you care about. I started playing Stardew Valley recently because it's on Apple Arcade and it is such a dangerous game because it (laughs) never ends. There is no real good stopping point. So I'm all day long yeah, they do they knew who they they know their target audience they know their oh absolutely <laughs> when i first started playing i literally like spent the whole day playing it and then i was like okay like i like the game yeah but this is like not really helping me get to where i want to so i've like set myself this rule now where like i can only play it once i'm done with my work mm. but i do get to come back to it right? right like i don't I don't get to open it first thing in the morning because right. I know I will not. Close. But once I'm done with my work, it doesn't matter. I can spend all night doing that if I want to. That's right. Exactly. So. And, well, and so many times, especially when I work with kids with ADHD and I and and my friends that have ADHD too, there's this sense of like, I don't have enough time, and also like time does not exist. <laughs> like it's like both at the same time, right? And part of getting part of building a trusting relationship with your brain is, is letting it know that like one, your attention will come back. Right. Cause that's like always a big concern of like, I'm never going to get my attention back. If I take a break, it will never come back. And I'm like, speaking of story snakes. So part of like, yeah, the trusting piece of your brain is learning that like you will come back and you do have that capability. And let me show you evidence so that when you get into this mindset of like, if I take a break and go to the bathroom, I will never be able to regain my focus is not true. And here I will show you that. Right. So it's funny when you said that, because, yeah, that happens all the time. It's like, where has time gone? And also, I don't have any time to do anything. And I'm like, let me be the guide to the middle ground. Right. Oh, man. I feel like I've talked about this quite a bit before, but it was a real incredible shock for me to realize that balance can be me hyper-focusing on a thing and then me hyper-focusing on rest. (laughs) Just like real, real mind-blowing for me because like that was absolutely like not something that I was allowed as a child. And to like be able to accommodate myself in that and recognize that like, you know, it's okay 
if I want to like only focus on these things. It's okay if I know I will do better at the thing if I just like knock it out in two or three days. And then I have to take two or three days to rest in order to achieve that balance. Like, because I think it was like, it's just the word that was this idea of some kind of like a middle ground or a balance was so hard for me because it was always taught in the way that like just seemed really difficult for me to like be able to make those transitions and do those things especially when a lot of what I was being asked to focus on as a child was something that I did not care about (laughs) so it's like if I found the focus for this I must take it all that's right yep (laughs) Like I found like the special berry inside of a pile of garbage and I will consume until I'm sick. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yep. (laughs) Oh man, this has been great. Absolutely. (laughs) So, so cathartic (laughs) to come back to these things. Right. That's why I'm highly considering offering this to adults because I'm like, we could all go back and reclaim some stuff. So we'll see. To be determined. You're hearing it here first, but who knows what's going to happen. Well, I can promise you that I'm probably going to be the first one to sign up when (laughs) that is a thing that happens. Good to know. I already have a supporter. Great. Fantastic. (laughs) Oh, yeah. But I do think that like, you know, this process of building accommodations and coming to recognize, you know, where your support can be and how to give that to yourself is such an important thing for everyone. So I hope that people listening were able to learn things from you today. I know I certainly have. And if people want to connect with you, they want to learn more about your work, how and where can people find you? They have to search the dredges of the internet. No, I'm just kidding. So they can find me (laughs) right now. They can find me at 1111wellness.com. So it's the word 11, then the number 11, wellness.com. But a lot of the content that I'm posting is mostly on LinkedIn because that's where a lot of families of the kids that I work with are usually on that space. So you can just find me by my name, Emily Griswold. But the best place to find all the cool stuff is in my newsletter. So if you go to LinkedIn or if you go to my website, there's a sign-up form there and you can every Thursday get a teenage brain hack, which you can either use for yourself or use for your teenager. But that's where people can find me. Awesome. Oh, I love that. I hope you get so many signups and everybody comes out of the one works to come find you because I think your work is absolutely incredible and so necessary. So thank you so much for being here, for sharing all of your insight with us. And thank you for the work that you do. Of course. And thank you for the work that you do because you're just continuing the good stuff. And I'm so grateful that people get to learn systems from you in a way that is like in service of their liberation. So we're on the same team. <laughs> this was really fun. So I appreciate you. I'm so excited yes. to see. I can't wait to hear all the other people too. I know. It's going to be it's going to be good. So, all right. Well, thank you so much. Until the next episode, may you find ease and joy in the life that you're living, rain or shine.